From the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you are right in saying, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, the disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, what are you looking for, or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you know, of which you know nothing. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me 
and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see that the fields are ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world, the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children want to come up for a, for a children's homily. Hi there, come on up. What do I have here? Metal. It's metal, that's right, and it's a couple of uh, pieces of metal held together by a ring. Does anybody think I could take these apart? Does anybody think you can take these apart? Yeah. Okay, here, go ahead and take those apart if you would. Hmm, harder than it looks, isn't it? Anybody else want to try? Do you think they're stuck? <laughs> they look stuck to me too. Here, you, anybody else want to try these? See if you can take these apart? You're satisfied. Okay. You want to try it? There you go. Take those apart. Hmm, pretty hard, isn't it? Who put that on there? He did it! Good for you! Yay! <laughs> Sometimes things in life are pretty hard. And oftentimes, even when things are hard, there is a solution. God has a solution. Let's see if I can put them back together. God has a solution for us if we trust him and if we follow him. So it's very important that when things get hard, not just to give up and quit, but to ask God for help. And God can show us a way. In the first reading today, the Israelites were in the desert. They had nothing, nothing to drink. They were very, very thirsty because the desert's a very hot and dry place. But Moses prayed and God showed him where the water was so that they would all have something to drink. When, we, when life gets hard, it's not time to get angry and quit. It's time to pray and let God show us the way. Okay? All right, you guys can go back to your seats now. Well, it's good that he figured out how to do it, because otherwise I would have had to figure out how to do it. Sometimes life does seem hard, doesn't it? You know, we, we do things like we watch a third of our retirement funds vanish up in smoke in just a few weeks, and that sometimes seems hard, doesn't it? 
And sometimes we have hard decisions to make, like whether to risk our lives and go to Mass or, or just stay home. And then there's the really hard things. You know, those of you who have knelt beside the bed of, of one of your children that's terribly ill and you have no assurance whether or not they're going to live or die. That's hard. Those of you who have cared for an aging parent who is slowly slipping into dementia and paranoia, that's really hard. And then there are sometimes the hard things of leadership. A military officer leading a group of men into battle that, in which he is hopelessly outnumbered and he has to decide who he's going to put on the front line, making decisions of who's going to live and who's going to die. That's, that's hard. Leaving, leading slaves out of the security of their slavery into the desert where there's no water for them to drink and trusting God to find a way that's hard. In the gospel, there's a Samaritan woman who has had a hard life. She has obviously suffered rejection, probably abuse. She is filled with fear and despair. And we can see that because she's in, incapable of, of having relationships. Her relationship, the relationships are all crumbling. She's been married five times. And so she just gives up. And, in, and now she's living with a man whom she's not married, probably doesn't love. She is with him because he gives her probably some sustenance, some provision, and, he's, and some security. A woman in the first century in, Pal in Roman-occupied Palestine did not have much choices in life. And so she has just kind of given up and surviving as best she can. Her life is filled with fear, perhaps bitterness, resentment. And she does not want to have contact with anyone. You see... Everybody would go to the well in the morning, gather water that they needed for the day. And it was usually quite a social gathering, right? It's like, it's like the water cooler. They go to the well, they draw water for the day, you know, everybody visits, and then they go home and they're busy about their lives. And in the heat of the day, this woman goes to the well because she knows she'll be alone. She won't have to interact with anybody. All the people in the town, she feels they hate her and despise her. She probably hates and despises herself. But she goes in search of water. And instead of finding water, she finds Jesus. God knows where the water is. God knew how to direct Moses to find water for the people. And God is speaking to this woman to show her where 
the healing water is that can bring her to joy, can bring her to peace, can bring her to fulfillment. So Jesus begins talking with her, begins talking to her about living water, about water that will heal and deliver her, that water that would be a fountain inside of her, bringing her into eternal life, into life with God. And she says, give me that water. Jesus sees that water inside of her, that water that is, was planted by the Holy Spirit within her, but that well, that fountain that is inside of her has been long capped over by the sea by bitterness and resentment and fear and shame. But Jesus pours the water of the Holy Spirit into her. He softens the hardened, dried ground. He makes her receptive to receive the touch from God. And her life is transformed. It's so transformed that she runs into the village to see the people, the very people she was trying to avoid by coming to the well late in the day when they wouldn't be there. She runs to those people and she says, I have met the Messiah. He told me everything I'd ever done. Now for most of us, when we, get, when we experience Christ in you know, we don't want him to tell us everything we've ever done, do we? There are things we want to hide. There were things that she wanted to hide. But she allowed the Holy Spirit not just to show her herself, but to heal her very soul. And in place of bitterness, God brought acceptance. In place of fear, God brought love. In place of self-hatred, God brought her worthiness as a child of God. She was healed and she was transformed. She had lived in a world of darkness and she had found the light. And she took that light to the village to bring others who were bound in darkness, to bring others who lived dark lives, probably not as dark as hers, probably they didn't realize how dark their lives were, but they brought, she brought them to meet the light. In fact, tradition has given this woman a name, Saint Fotina, the bearer of light. Because when she experienced the light and was cleansed of her darkness, she carried that light into her village and brought the people to Jesus so that they could experience the light and be healed themselves. This is a very dark time in our world. This coronavirus is spreading around the globe. Many bishops in this country have already started canceling all masses. In the state of Colorado, just the other day, all three Colorado bishops got together and they said, mass, we will not have mass until this coronavirus epidemic passes. We live in a dark world. 
How are we going to respond? Are we going to cower in fear? Are we going to hide from others to try to protect ourselves? God calls us to bring light. God calls us to be the light in the darkness. God calls us to find ways to reach out to our neighbors, to reach out to those who are sick, perhaps those who are dying. Before this is over, I am quite certain that all of us will be affected in some way. We will know those who catch this disease and we will know those who die from this disease. But God is not ashamed to be your God. You know, when the people of Israel were, were stuck in the desert and they're dying of thirst and they're crying out to Moses, where is God now? Where is God now? Why would God do this to us? Why would God bring us out into the desert just to die of thirst? We'd rather be back in Egypt. We'd rather be slaves than out here dying of thirst in the desert. But God knew where the water was. And God was not ashamed to be their God. I don't know about you, but I love to read stories of people who've had those near-death experiences. You know, they get to the point where, they're, where they die, perhaps on an operating table or perhaps in an accident. And they get that little taste of heaven. You know, they get that little glimpse of heaven for a short while and then come back. You know, they were resuscitated and they come back and, and, and the stories are always wonderful and they always end the same way. The people say, I wish I had stayed. It was so much more wonderful there. God knows where the water is. And death is not anything to be feared. Living in isolation, living in fear, separated from one another, separated from God. Now that's something to be afraid of. It's our duty, it's our job to bring light to those who are in fear, to bring light to those who are in darkness. Now, more than ever, we need to be bringing the gospel of love, the gospel of healing, the gospel of joy to people who are, who are terrified they may not find enough toilet paper. We need to bring Christ to the world in real and tangible ways. One of the things that, we're going to do a lot of things actually in this parish to try to um, to try to deal with this. We're going to be meeting with uh, our Eucharistic ministers uh, on Saturday at 11 a.m. Those of you who are Eucharistic ministers who are trained to take communion to the sick, uh, we encourage you to come. Those who would like to be trained, we encourage you to come because we need to find ways to care for those. If we're not allowed to have Mass, how are we going to get the Eucharist to people? We're going to be, well, most of you got an email asking if you know anybody who is... Um, who is quarantined or who can't get out to, to, to contact us. So we'll find ways to get them groceries, find ways to, to care for them. 
There'll be people who will be losing jobs, especially those in the service industry, waiters and waitresses, and, and those who are in a variety of jobs that will be closing down because of, um, because of this fear, because people will not be going out. We want to find who, who they are so we can help them you know, through our emergency funds to make it through and to make it through this crisis. We are facing a crisis. And if we look at that crisis, we too could be afraid. But thanks be to God, we don't have to focus on the crisis. We can focus on God who is bigger than the crisis. We can listen to his voice. We can realize that even in the midst of these kinds of troubles, God is still in control and God is capable of bringing us through. He knows where the water is. And the water is inside you and it's inside me. And we can bring that living water to those who are afraid, to those who are in darkness. And there will be those who will be questioning God, like the children of Israel in the desert. Where is God now? Why would God allow this? But God always cares for his children. Not always in the way we would want him to. And sometimes it's hard to see. Who imagined that water was going to come spewing out of a rock? God is not afraid, is not ashamed to be your God. God is not ashamed to call you his child. Let us never be ashamed to call God our God the one in whom we trust, even in the darkest of nights, even in the worst of crises. He is our God, and he will bring us through. 